Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's cast, Favorite Candidate Interview Preparation, Part 1. In today's cast, we describe how to increase the chances that you will get to hire your favorite candidate when he or she has to interview elsewhere in the organization. Here we go. You know what's amazing to me is all the work that some managers do in terms of recruiting, you know, building their network, and then recruiting top talent to their team. They go through all the interviews, and they love the candidate. It's a perfect fit, right? They, I'm assuming here they've done their, their work. They've asked smart questions. They're, they're, they've really fully vetted the candidate. They're ready to hire them, and then their boss wants to interview the candidate. Mm-hmm. And they just leave it completely to chance. We'll just let mm-hmm. we'll let this this uh, person that we really like. We'll let them go in front of our boss. We're not going to prep them, and comes back and the boss says, "Nah, not so no, much, not so much." And you lost the opportunity because you know this person yeah. is the right person. And who do we think they blame? Uh, they blame the boss. Their boss. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. When you look for problems, look for the cause of the problems in your organization. Search for them in increasingly larger concentric circles around your own desk. Yeah. It's a simple tragedy, right? This is one of those times where it's amazing how easy it is to be more effective than almost everybody else as a manager. We've both said, right, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. We don't want the state of management today in the world to be as underpowered as it is, but it is underpowered. And we're not afraid of being blunt about situations where most managers don't do stuff that makes completely sense, complete sense. And if they were around some really highly effective managers and it rubbed off on them, and all of us learn from peers and bosses who do stuff that we think is better. But if they're around them, they pick it up. And the, the case of hiring is just mind boggling because this is an opportunity for an easy win to avoid that danger. And it's in the most important thing we do as managers, which is hiring. Right. So like, like just a double whammy to not do it. Something that's easy. That's good. And, and, and so yeah, important and easy. I suspect yeah. that we have some folks attention there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is helping your favorite candidate get hired. Okay. Why is it that so many of us as managers find somebody we really like, like you said, and then we don't help them do, we don't help them do what they need to do. We don't do anything to help them get over the hurdles that remain. The big one, of course, is our boss. You know, we've heard stories of managers who want to hire somebody and their boss didn't agree or worse, they didn't get, and so they didn't get anybody or worse, they get somebody they don't want. Because the boss didn't like their choice, and the boss chose somebody else, and that's oh, a big fat ouch. That would yeah, hurt. Yeah, yeah. That would hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of things managers can do to help themselves get the hires they want. This cast, we're just going to focus on managing. I'm careful about saying that. Managing the boss side of things. We're finally going to get to how to manage your boss. I yeah, am so yeah. excited. <laughs> Yeah, we we talked to a client today. He says, what do you guys teach about managing bosses? Sorry, we don't. And we explained our reasons, and he absolutely agreed. Yeah, yeah, he agreed, yeah. Yeah. And look, when when you want to hire a candidate, we recommend you also help them be well-perceived by your directs and by the rest of your organization, not just by your boss, but this cast only addresses your boss's ability to 
cause you to get a win or a loss when it comes to hiring your favorite candidate. And so basically we've got the series of steps. I think we've got seven steps here. We do seven steps. First of all, we want to be clear about something. Number one, your boss is absolutely right and it's appropriate for your boss to pass judgment, period. Get over it. Number two, brief your candidate on your boss in advance. Describe what your boss's interview will be like. Provide feedback to your candidate after you're done about how they did with you before they go talk to your boss and then make the same mistakes and your boss doesn't like those mistakes. Practice interviewing with your candidate. Yes, that's right. Practice interviewing. Don't forget, and this is a sort of a subtext to number five, but it's number six. Don't forget to review questions as well as answers because bosses tend to overemphasize questions in the interview. And then we recommend you require as part of really what amounts to an early hiring process or an early, early employee approach is require them to do thank you notes, follow up and appropriate communication to make sure they follow Horseman's first law of interviewing, which is until you got something, you got nothing. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about your boss being right to pass judgment because frankly, I'm just not sure I agree. I'm the person that's going to be hiring this individual. They're going to be working for me. I'm going to be held accountable for everything they do or fail to do. And so yeah. why is my boss getting involved with my hiring decisions? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I would argue that you just undermine your your argument by saying <laughs> you're responsible for everything this person's going to do or fail to do. And by definition, your boss is also responsible for everything you and your directs do or fail to do. So your boss has a vested interest in everybody you hire. And if it's the most important thing you do, and it is, your boss is smart to do this. In fact, why wouldn't he want to have say in terms of the most important thing his organization does and all of your organization is a part of his organization. Why? Because I don't like it. That's why. Yeah. Ah, yes. You know, I, I think you should go look for a job, Mike, where there are no parts of the job you don't like. And just get back to me, you know, whenever. Just sign over your half of the company to me and... Right, right. <laughs> Folks, if that ever happens, we're in trouble. Look, there are all kinds of reasons why your boss wants needs, and frankly, folks can't afford not to review your hiring choices. First, he ought to want to validate that you know what you're doing. You know, we, we've, we've alluded to this before. Let's, let's talk about it directly. The best CEOs in the last 20 years and that are covered by the media, and certainly there are many great CEOs that aren't covered by the media, have all agreed that people stuff is really what's most important and where they spend more time than on anything else, right? Hiring is something they get very interested in. Your boss wants to teach you how to do this well. He wants to make sure that your hire is going to help his organization. And there's nothing wrong with him being playing defense, if that, as opposed to the offense of teaching you how to do it well. Maybe your candidate is right for your org, but it isn't a fit more broadly. You know, it happens. Yeah. Maybe he's aware of political wind, winds blowing that you're not aware of. Yeah, but possibly that you may not be in your position very long. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's do maybe he's doing the important work of succession planning and seeing whether or not this person has the skills that the organization is talking about needing in the next few years. You may be hiring for a need right now, but you may, may not be looking five years down the road, which is much more your boss's input than yours. Although, obviously, we recommend you be thinking about that, too. You're probably not going to be any good at all in understanding what your boss's stable of managers looks like versus a talent map of the company or for that matter of your boss's organization. A person may be perfect for you, but not right for the larger division you're in. Maybe your boss is validating that your candidate has two promotions in him. 
And many companies at a certain level, that's a prerequisite for hiring because the weeding out for mid to high level talent has already happened. And there's an understanding that if you're at position A, you can handle position B and C if B is a promotion and C is a promotion again, right? We don't hire somebody at position A who can only stay in position A. It's just part of what happens as you get closer to the top of the organization. Otherwise, there are too few people to get to the top. And then you end up with a less robust, op- less robust pool of people to pick from. Yeah, there are some people who would argue that horse races for the top jobs are not worthwhile. Be that as one or the other. I absolutely believe that in most cases, a horse race is good. But on the other hand, why wouldn't you want five people who are capable of being CEO to pick one or five people to be capable of being VP of marketing and to pick one? You'd probably improve your chances of making a good choice. Yeah. So what makes you think, what makes us think as managers that we can fairly make a decision for us and for our boss if we've never operated at the levels that our boss is going to be evaluate the can- evaluating the candidate against? Well, it makes right? it makes sense. I, so, okay, so maybe this is a little bit more complex than I initially thought. So. And I'm not done, just so you know, <laughs> no. you know, I could go on if you want. No, um, no, you convinced me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, um, look, it's a fact. Too many managers have hiring myopia. Either the myopia is time-based, they want to fill a role now, even if the, the hire, the person isn't ideal for the longer term, or the myopia is career-based, and the manager never asks, can this person do my job? Now, look, not everybody has to do be able to do your job, but look, it wouldn't hurt. And, and frankly, it isn't something that limits the hiring pool too often. Yeah, it makes hiring harder, perhaps, but never wish for the most important thing you do, hiring, to be easier. Wish for the skills to get better at it and to always be improving at it. And I got to tell the story. I know that sometimes these stories are tangents, but this one's really relevant. I had an interesting conversation recently with a middle manager a director. And folks, just so you know, if you don't know, a director, I don't mean a director of a company. I mean, a director, meaning a manager of managers, often companies, the first line of sort of junior executive life is called a director role. And some companies call senior directors or VPs or AVPs, whatever. Generally speaking, in the abstract organization, in the template of organizations, in most places, a director is a manager of managers. He had about 100 people in his organization. Um, he had heard me say that hiring was, was the most important thing managers did, and he, he didn't agree. He thought it was results. And, and in fact, he sort of joked with me that I couldn't argue much with him since we say all the time that results against objectives are the first duty of managers. And I said, you know, really good managers really did spend their time there as evidenced by CEOs interviewing for positions two or three levels down from their level. And this manager's director said, well, yeah, but... That's just what happens at the top, dude. I mean, yeah, they right. have time, yeah. you know, they, they have time, they have resources. Okay, now, just another aside. I know I shouldn't do a tangent on a tangent, but I was incredulous that somebody thought that senior people had more time than mid-level managers. I just kind of shook my head and said, God, the people I know who are CEOs said, please just give me a week off. Uh, yes, you can have one in October of 2011, right? But look, here's what I shared that this director didn't get. The C-suite executives who do this well, who do hiring well, aren't doing it because they're C-suite executives. They're C-suite executives because they've done this well over their career. They're not doing it because they're at the top, because they have the time, because now, quote, people are important, unquote. 
They're doing it because the people who are being hired are joining their organization and they're doing what they've always done, vetting managers and executives who joined their organization one, two, three levels down. Even when they were a director, they were approving who managers hired one level down from them. And they're also training and guiding everybody in the organization on what to do and how to do it well when it comes to hiring. Well, your, your, your friend here, what they're doing is they're confusing results with, you know, what happens with the doing. You don't do yeah. results. Yeah, managers are, are absolutely gauged by results, right? That's what they're evaluated on. But the fact is you don't do results. What you do right. is you develop relationships. You give your people plenty of feedback. You coach them on how to get better. You build the organization by delegating more and more and more. And you hire great talent. That's what you exactly. do. And as a result of that, you get Results. You get great results. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not confuse processes and outcomes. Exactly. Good. Well said. So look, if your boss is involved in hiring somebody who works for you, she's supposed to be. This is a core organizational managerial function. And it's those core things that don't get delegated. They're not glossed over. Attention is paid to this. So don't even think about fighting it or you know, skirting around the manager's involvement. It just doesn't work. Let's get past a little the the some of the theory or thoughts around this, and let's get down right. to the tactical details in terms of how you get this done. And you're suggesting that we brief our candidate on our boss, which sounds yeah. a little—I don't know—is that are we crossing some some line there in terms of sharing something with the candidate that we might ought not be sharing? What do you think? What? Uh, what? What? Uh, no, <laughs> no, you're not. Um, look, I don't care how much you brief somebody. If they're good, look, the briefing is to avoid somebody who's good enough being ruled out for stupidity or clumsiness or what appears to be lack of preparation. Okay. What too many candidates do, part of what we're doing is addressing candidate mentality is I'm going to work for Mike. So if I interview with Mike and Mike likes me, I'm done. Most candidates don't recognize that bosses of the person who's hiring them should be looking at them. And they think of it as pretty much a rubber stamp. My boss, who's, you know, your boss who's interviewing me for a job going to work for you, doesn't see himself as a rubber stamp. So we're essentially recognizing that interviewing is an artificial reality and we should do what we want the candidate to do when they get ready to interview with us. But they can't have done that to interview with our boss because they don't know anything about our boss. We haven't told them about our boss's organization. This is just the preparation we do. Once they f we flip to their side of the equation and say, this is my favorite candidate, I want to hire this person. We're not suggesting you send three people up to your boss and say, you know, you pick. We're saying once you've decided I'm ready to hire this guy and your boss is going to approve them, sure, of course you do, because the preparation they can do by themselves doesn't include the preparation for the boss. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Are you, now, you suggest, I just want to be clear here, are you suggesting that we're going to take, I say we interview 15 people and we like, you know, three of them are pretty good. And so we're going to send three people up to interview with our boss and go through this process we're going to talk about today with all three of those people, essentially letting the boss decide which one? Not only am I not suggesting that, I'm categorically denying that I ever hinted at anything even remotely related to that. <laughs> okay. Hell no, we're not going to do that. Look, if you interview 16 people and you've got three that you like, pick one. This is part of your job. You're authorized to pick. So pick. Oh, but I might be wrong. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, guess what? In every other thing you do, you might be wrong as well. If you get worried about picking, all that does is prove what Mike and I have been saying for years, that hiring is the most important thing you do. Because you secretly know the only thing worse, you secretly know something that most managers on the surface want to deny, which is that the only thing worse than an open position is filling that open position with the wrong person. It's 10 times worse. It's a hundred times worse. It's a billion times worse. You just can't, right? You can't do it. So look, notice what we say. We say once you've decided, okay, we don't generally recommend you include your boss in the interview of every person you interview. No, of course not. Look, it's helpful to see this as a situation where it's your decision. And again, note whom you hire is your decision. If your boss gets to interview everybody, it's going to quickly become his or her decision, at least in our experience, right? Now, our guidance here is not as simple as it's your decision so your boss isn't involved. It's not a if-then, okay? There are times when you want your boss to interview one or two or three of all the candidates you see, with already you having decided which one you want to hire, right? Having them interview all is rare, but it does happen, okay? It's also possible that your boss won't like the idea of only seeing one person and will assert himself. And you'll likely have to go along because, oh, I checked. He's your boss, right? But our point is not that it's your boss's decision. It's yours. And here's where people make the mistake, I think. And you tell me if, it, if this gets the, the nub of your question. Just because your boss can overrule you, and believe me, folks, she can, doesn't mean the decision isn't yours. Her agreeing to your decision or overruling you doesn't make it not your decision. If that were the case, since every decision in every organization, just about, can be trumped or countermanded by the boss or the boss's boss or the boss's boss's boss or even the CEO, then every single decision would be the CEO's. Yeah. And that's not true. It's your decision and the boss can overrule you. This is a case where we say, what part of manager life does that not echo and, and, and operate in parallel with? That's the way it works, right? Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows that. Your boss can overrule you. Yeah. And if, you, and if you're not comfortable with your hiring decision enough to follow some of the, the suggestions <laughs> that we put out here, <laughs> then why are you even moving forward? Yeah, yeah. Don't do it. In fact, this may be, you're right. This is a good additional use of this cast, right? A secondary use of the cast. If you don't want to take your person through these steps to put them in front of your boss, you really don't want to hire them. Nope. Absolutely. We, we, or if you do want to hire them, but you don't want to put them through these steps, you don't realize how important hiring is. And we wish you well, but we doubt you'll get there. Yeah. You may want to hire them, but you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, it's your decision. Your boss gets to approve it. Now, you might be thinking, what if my boss doesn't say anything? What if I'm pretty sure he knows what I'm doing, but he hasn't asked to talk to my candidate? Frankly, we still recommend that you ask him or her to do so nonetheless, unless your boss is nearly impossible to work for. You know, if he doesn't care, he probably won't overrule you. But the vast majority of times we'd recommend, sure, put him in front of your boss, have your boss say, yeah, I like him. Nothing wrong with that. And nothing wrong with a little bit of pucker factor in your candidate saying, no, look, I like you and I want to hire you. And when you go talk to my boss, don't mess it up. I'll prep you, but don't mess it up. So you want to brief your candidate on your boss. Okay. Got right. that. So, okay, what about your boss? Yeah, okay, three things. His organization, his background, and his communication style, okay? First, his organization or her organization, right? You need to be able to tell the candidate what your boss is responsible for, organizationally speaking. What parts of the organization does he have or she have purview over? What else does he have purview over besides your organization, right? 
you know, look, your candidate may not understand everything in your org, so don't just skip your org. So he's always oh, got my org and he's got these other three. And don't just list titles. Describe what those titles mean, what those people do, and how this fits in to the large organization. I generally don't even say brief on his organization, brief on your boss's organization, and show how your boss's organization fits into his boss's organization. And don't assume that every company is structured the way yours is. Most companies follow general rules, but then in the end, the choices they make about who reports to whom are based, if they're smart, on the people in those roles. And folks, that's why your company frequently reorganizes. What kind of detail are you going into? Are you talking about you know, giving them a sense of the number of people that your boss is yeah, responsible for, sure. key responsibilities, yeah, projects, exactly. deliverables, yep. Yep. metrics? The metrics, all, all that, that stuff. stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Exactly. Standard, yeah. Standard scope and, and scale. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, what about his background? I'm talking about his, you know, where he went to school and his kids yeah. and all that. What, what, what are we sharing? What's funny is, it's like managers say, well, I don't know that. I said, man, you're at a disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. You are at a disadvantage. So, look, yeah, what's his background? What did he do before this role? Does he have a solid background in industrial in the industrial basics if you're in finance or real estate or whatever? Is he more of a manager? Is he an executive? Is he a technician? What's his reputation? How well regarded is she? Right. If you have a copy of her CV, share that with the candidate. Now, but let's be clear about something, though. For all of this information, let the candidate know that this is background for the interview as opposed to something that you get to mention or make conversation about. It's not designed for the candidate to talk about what he knows or to make points. It's to help your candidate think about the boss, think about his audience, frame comments, and not to be guessing about what the boss might know or not know or how your boss might respond. Now, look, your candidate doesn't need to deny that you shared something with him. What we're doing here is not unethical. And many bosses are going to think highly of you for dotting your I's and crossing your T's. But the candidate shouldn't bring up this this briefing. Right. But you're not suggesting that we would let our boss know that we're providing information about his I don't. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Sure. Hey, look, I've got him prepped. He's ready to talk to you. What? You prepped him? Sure, I did. Why'd you prep him? Because I like this guy. I want him to do well. And look, if you don't like him, you won't like him whether he's prepped or not. Man, you took away some of the kind of the 007 kind of, you know, under yeah. the table feel to this whole thing. It's just, just a little less exciting. So, okay. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> I, I've generally found that managerial life and 007 life are don't not like at all. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They don't. Hi, I'm Bob. Or I'm, I'm manager. Bob manager. Yeah. 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 That right. is it. I, I tried that at a meeting one time. Didn't go over too well. Yeah. Okay, so his background and and then his communication style. And yeah. I tell you, that's that would be very useful. If, yeah. if, if for no other reason other than not setting a candidate in who's immediately going to open their mouth in a manner completely contrary to your boss and frankly just torque them off. Yeah. So the question is, how does your boss communicate? Is he or she assertive or reserved? If your candidate knows this, give him or her what you know about your boss's style. Will she listen? Will she take notes? Will she pause? Is he somebody who tends to interrupt? Or can you interrupt him? <laughs> yeah, right. Will he be effusive or will he be calm? Will she smile? Will she scowl? Now, look, this is different than describing interviewing techniques. This is more about communication tendencies, and maybe, maybe it's a little bit of personality. And certainly, the interview will reflect their style of communicating, but they are different. Okay, so now what about helping the candidate understand what your boss's interview is going to be like? Right. I mean, what kind of questions, what the person is looking for, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully this is a no-brainer, right? Why wouldn't we want our first-choice candidate to know how our boss interviews, right? If you think for one second your candidate will, quote, do fine, unquote, because he has done so so thus far, you're already on shaky ground. You're running the risk of not doing an hour or two's worth of prep, hour or two worth of preparation. And that's the difference between go and no go. You and everyone who works for you wants to fill the spot that is open, right? People want their team to be fully staffed. Most of you, not always, but usually, uh, most of the people on your team are feeling some sort of pain. You want to fill the position that's going to help you. Your boss is more distant from that pain than you are, or certainly from your direct's pain. He is not going to be as eager as you are to hire somebody that you start to like halfway through the interview, right? Once you start liking a person, you begin looking for positives. Wendy talked about that recently. At some point, we flip from... I don't know if I like you to I like you. And now I flip from, flip from looking for negatives to looking for positives. Once you start looking for positives, you'll see them in any candidate, usually. Um, but your boss won't have seen any of those. So some of the questions, you know, what questions can the candidate expect from your boss? How long will it be? And this is a description. You're just simply saying, hey, look, I want to tell you the kind of things my boss is going to ask, how, how long it's going to take. Does your boss ask behavioral questions? Does she ramble with stories? Does he expect the candidate to interject or does he expect the candidate to allow him to interject? Look, these are this is gold, solid gold information for your candidate. But for some reason, too many of us just send them in and, and not even thinking for a minute or five minutes about what a bit of preparation could do. Your boss is in a completely different zone than you when they're interviewing your candidate. But what if, what if I don't know what my boss's interview is going to be like? What do I do then? I'm sorry. What, what? I can't imagine that you said what I thought you just said. So let me ask you again. What did you say? Did I use my outside voice? <laughs> <laughs> I think what you said is that you don't know how your boss will interview. Um, I, I thought I actually just thought it. I didn't think I said it. I wouldn't say yeah, that. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that noise reverberating around inside your cranium. That's actually, yeah, that's sound. Yeah. Well, shame on you. And now let's get over it. Right. And let's rectify that problem. If you don't know how your boss is going to interview, you are at a disadvantage, okay? There are two ways to gather some helpful basic stuff that will be enough to give the briefing to your direct, to your, to your candidate, believe it. And then there's a systemic change you need to have to make. We recommend you make going forward. Okay, look, folks, okay, We're going away from the James Bond idea completely, right? One thing you can do is ask your boss, Hey, boss. Yeah, sure. Hey, boss. You've got that interview with my guy day after tomorrow. What can I tell him you're expecting? What kind of questions are you expecting him to handle? Any particular focus? How long? Any style? Any format comments? Anything I can give him, brief him in advance? Do bosses actually answer that question? Yeah, they do. Okay, now look. We talk about this at conferences. We talk about how often people say, oh, I could never do that with my boss, but of course I would expect it from my directs, which is the subtext of, I'm a nice guy and my boss is from Mars, right? Ask yourself right now if you're listening. If one of your directs was trying to hire somebody and they came to you and say, look, this is my guy. I want him to do well with you. Tell me about the interview so I can prep him. I would argue they're going to be pleased that you're managing the process so carefully. Some of you might say, well, I'm not going to give you the keys to the kingdom, but here are some things I tend to think about. Bosses respond quite favorably to this. And, and worst case, some don't. What's the harm in asking? 
Right. Yeah, that's my experience. Just all yeah. joking aside. So what else can you do? Okay, look, uh, ask people he or she has recently interviewed, right? E- even if it's not re- recent, the most likely place to find folks who have been interviewed by your boss is within your own company and most likely among his or her directs, which would be your peers. If someone has joined you as a peer in the past six months, go ask him or her. What was the boss like in the interview? What did he ask? Any surprises, tone and style? Even less so of an issue here, right, in terms of risk. So what does it hurt? And look, it doesn't hurt to tell them why you're asking and offer to give them help when the, the shoe is on the other foot. And look, they're going to they're gonna be some peer managers. They're going to be peer managers who actually say, dang, you do that? Heck yeah, I'm going to manage the process. Yeah. Sounds like you're gaming the system. No, I'm not gaming the system. I'm managing the process. I like this guy. I want to get him hired. I'm going to do everything I can to get him hired. What do you think about asking the folks that interview your boss? So, you know, over time, right, you're sending candidates up to interview with your boss. Would you talk to them afterwards and ask them what, what, the, pro- what the process was like, what the experience was like? Uh, yeah. I'd outbrief every candidate of mine that the boss interviews. You do. You just make it standard. You yeah. make it standard procedure. Okay. The candidate is at enormous disadvantage, right? They're not going to say, I'm not telling you what the boss asked me. Well, how does that sound? <laughs> hey, nut job. Right? <laughs> ask the same questions we suggested above that you ask your boss. You, you can couch it as being part of a team, right? Always updating others and providing input to processes. Look, after two to three or four interviewers, interviewees go through your boss, you'll never have a candidate fail in this last step. And of course, until they got something, they got nothing. So if this is the last step, it is by definition at that point, the most important step. All right, folks, that's it for this week. We'll finish it up next week. It's been a while since I mentioned it. So let me mention right now the registered members feed. We have over 250 podcasts at Manager Tools, but only 60 of them or so are in the public feed that's in iTunes. You want to get all of them, Go to the website, www.managertools.com, sign up for membership, it's absolutely free, and check out the registered members RSS feed. That way you can add it to iTunes and you can have all the podcasts on your iPod or your player of choice. So there you go, little hint for today. All right, folks, we'll see you again next week. So long. 